We're back. Um, we are joined by Ben Flanagan. What's up, Ben? Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm uh, stoked to be here. So thanks for having me. Are yeah. you uh, Are you in Boston right now? I'm in uh, Falmouth. Gotcha. Okay. So, Where are you guys? Where are you guys based out of? So we well, we go to Georgetown together. So this is actually our first podcast in about a month, a month. and also yeah. ever that we're not in the same place for it. Um, so we're home for the summer. So I'm bouncing around between New Jersey and New York City, and then Shay's also. In I'm New in York. upstate New York. Yeah. Cool. Sick. Yeah. My um. So yeah, I just raced in Boston this weekend, but uh, my fiance is from Falmouth, so gotcha. uh, I hang out here pretty much every chance I get because, as you guys know, the Cape is pretty sick. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So we're gonna get right into that. Um, want to talk about the race? Just pre-preface this. Yesterday, Ben broke the Canadian record in the road 10K. He ran 28.11, and uh, yeah, previous record was 28.17 by Paul McCloy in 1987. So, how was that race? It was pretty freaking hard. <laughs> Honestly, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was hot. Um, so, you know, I've been eyeing this record for a while now, and the roads are pretty unpredictable, right? It's like a course needs to be. Uh, record eligible B, you know, every course is different and C, you never really know what you're going to get in the day. So, um, yeah, it was, it was blazing hot, which was kind of worst case scenario. Um, for this time of year, I was like, I knew the course was flat. So I was just hoping that it was going to be a nice day. And, um, it was pretty hot for 8am, but that was fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not a ton of splits from the race, but one thing that I guess people probably didn't notice cause there wasn't like a live stream or anything like that, but we actually went out the first two miles in 840. Um, which was just like dumb fast. Um, <laughs> yeah. so there's some, some, you know, crazy good athletes. There some guys that have run under 60 minutes in the half marathon. And, um, you know, when you're racing with, with, you know, Kenyan and Ethiopian guys that have like credentials that are that significant, like you never know how they're going to race. So I was ready to buckle in and we went out hard and the last 5k was really just like kind of a death march, just holding on survival mode. Um, so I didn't even know I had the record until last straight away. Um, I was fighting Ben true the whole way. And fortunately I got it and, you know, just celebrated from there. That's cool. So that, I, I believe that's your first Canadian record, right? Dude, you know, it's crazy. So I was looking at these records the other day, um, when I was in Ottawa, cause I was like the first time I thought I might have a shot at one and I didn't even realize this, but as I pulled up the page, I, I saw my name. I was like, what the hell? I, I didn't even know I had a Canadian record and it was, uh, in the road mile. Oh, I'm actually awesome. the Canadian road mile record holder without even realizing that with my, um, unfortunately four flat, um, oh, in Honolulu, brutal. Hawaii. So is and, that the out and back race where it's like a full 180 yeah. degree turn? Did run that? Yeah. That's oh, crazy. Dude, that race is sick. Yeah. So like, um, there's like a Michigan connection in there. The two guys that, that organized the race, they're Michigan guys. So, um, I got the invite after I broke four that summer and I was kind of on a hot streak and dude, those guys ball out so hard. They, they bring you on like a, like a plus one, you get to go there for a week, run a road mile. Um, so my fiance now, like at the time we were dating for like two months, I was like, all right, I know this is kind of weird, you know, <laughs> like we're not that serious, but like, I got a, I got a plus one in Hawaii. So if you're down, like come along. Um, and yeah, she, uh, she said yes. And, uh, we went on a trip to Hawaii together and, I ran four flat, got out leaned by Craig Engels, <laughs> apparently set a Canadian record and then hung out on the beach for another week. So it's a good time. That's funny that like you, you did it and didn't know. 
Like, I, I don't know if there's anything like contractually involved or anything there. Like, but there was nothing that just checked it off. Like, you never saw a tweet. No one, like, saw that. That's crazy. Dude, no. I literally, like, two weeks ago. I mean, I ran this in 2018. So, it was yeah. four years ago now. Um, yeah, I don't know what happened there. But um, it, I just, like, caught my eye. I was like, oh, well, damn. I would have, like, maybe maybe boosted this at some point. If I knew <laughs> Throwing that on the resume. Like, <laughs> whatever. It's good for the <laughs> so, LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. No LinkedIn posts or anything. So all good, all good. I uh, Now I got another one on my belt, so it's not a big deal. So I guess that brings us right straight to the first first guest question we got. Because you've been tearing it up on the roads recently. So that question is from one of our teammates, Sean Laidlaw, who's dying to get on this podcast. That might be the closest he's ever going to get to it right there. <laughs> um, and he said, why do you got the dog in you on the roads now? Um, so yeah, I mean, not, that, not just one Canadian road record. We got two national records there. It's crazy. Yeah. 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 Two. And, and hopefully counting. So, um, yeah, I mean, I want to, I want them all, honestly, like I want to break uh, every Canadian road record there is, um, obviously the marathon, I'm nowhere close to marathon shape. So that's gonna be a while away, but, um, dude, I mean, honestly, it's like the best way to describe it is like, I didn't choose the road life. The road life chose me. Like <laughs> I didn't go in thinking that it was going to just be a natural fit or, um, that I was going to have success there it was something I just dabbled with, um, out of college, honestly, because my agent, Dan Lilo just asked me like, Hey, you want to try a couple of these road races, good opportunity to make money while we're sorting out a contract. So I hopped in them and like immediately kind of just started like out kicking my coverage, um, and holding my own in those. So, um, yeah, I mean, man, like I love being on the roads, but dude, I've got such a strong, like ego on the track. Like, I feel like I love being known as like a road guy and being able to be competitive on the road. And it's where I definitely feel the most confident, but like, I still like have this huge chip on my shoulder, like wanting to prove myself on the track. So if I was a smarter guy, I probably would have gave up the track like three years ago and just gone all on the roads, but there's something that keeps bringing me back there. So I'm kind of at that point where I might go all in, but um, as for why, like I'm more successful there, there's, there's a couple things that, you know, I've already gone along enough on this answer, but um yeah, no, I've always been a strength guy, which helps. I think that the timing is like, like you never really know where anybody's at because they're training for marathons. Other guys, you know, I ran a 5k a week ago. So like, honestly, guys are really beatable on the roads, in my opinion, like as long as you just like kind of stay confident and, and I don't know, run your own race. Um, and then uh, <clears throat> outside that, you know, I don't know, maybe my tiny legs, I don't know. Something, <laughs> uh, something seems to work well. Tiny legs work well on an indoor track. I feel like. I don't know. Maybe Shay can speak that a little bit more. I always hear the, it's fun. You're big. Indoor track doesn't need to be your thing. Uh, kind of excuse. Nah, everyone says like big people are not good on indoor tracks, which I don't know. I don't, it doesn't make much sense to me because like, I feel like longer legs have more energy return. I don't know. Dude, you run that. big guy, Shay? How tall are you? I'm 5'10". Okay. So I'm yeah. not like a big guy, but. Mason says, Mason always like. I don't know. That's what he said. Maybe he just says that. No, it, I that. can attest. It is. You just feel the weight of just trying to support your body the every single turn. You're fighting yourself every turn. It's brutal. Yeah. Damn. I don't have that problem. I'm five foot six. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, far from any issues there. I can look around in those bands, no problem. What was Ke How tall is Kevin O'Sullivan? Kevin uh, Sully is he's, – he's pretty tall. I think he's – he might be like 5'11", 6'1". Cause he's, um, he was a beast on the, on the, what are they called? The planks, the boards, back then. the boards. The boards yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Sully's just a fucking animal, man. Like all of his like credentials are crazy. So yeah, I think Sully just was so fit that he was going to be good on anything. While yeah. we're, while we're uh, touching on your, uh, 
your Michigan time and you know obviously your Michigan coach. Most specifically, I had a I had a someone went out of their way to text me. Uh, you know Tim Rossi. Oh yeah, I know Tim. Tim uh, Tim shot me a text and he's like, "Dude, Ben's a legend." Um, for one, and then he said to ask you about uh, your Michigan and. Who have you seen go the craziest on doing a Michigan? So what's your best Michigan? And then who who have you seen put down a crazy Michigan? I guess for context, we should probably explain for those who don't know what a Michigan is. So maybe if you want to do it, because I know everyone yeah, varies on the tempo there's difference. There's different Michigan, so. Oh, I'm glad you asked this question, because I just fucking ripped one the other day. So it's a good timing. There but, you um, go. Yeah, so for those that don't know what a Michigan is, it's a Ron Warhurst staple workout. For those who don't know who Ron Warhurst is, he actually coached. Kevin Sullivan, my college coach, when he was in college. Legend, coached a ton of crazy good guys, coached Nick Willis to both his Olympic medals. Anyways, uh, he came up with the workout, and now it's used across the country, arguably across the world. Workout is you go a mile on the track, two minutes rest between everything. Mile on the track, uh, 2K road loop. Uh, then you go 1,200 on the track, 2K road loop, uh, 800 on the track, 2K road loop, and then finish with an all-out 400. Um, so usually it kind of goes like start at 10 K pace and work your way down to, I mean, honestly, probably like all out 400, but maybe three K pace in the, uh, 800. So I ran one the other day. It was me, Mason Hobbs. We were all in there and we got some help. Like Willis actually paced a good bit of it. <clears throat> um, and we went 414 for the first mile, um, three, I mean, I have to look at this split, maybe 304 for the 12, 159 through the eight. And then I was actually, believe it or not, for my slow twitch muscles, I was 52 point on the last quarter. And uh, Hobbs and Mason were both 50 point. Uh, and all the 2K road loops were around like 450 pace. So um, that was my best one. Um, honestly, like that might've been the best one. I, I, that's definitely the best one I've ever been a part of and probably the best one that Mason's done. So I don't know a lot, like... I mean, honestly, keep in mind, like we got the the super shoes now and everything like that. So um, I honestly think we run them faster than some of the even legendary guys back in the day. But I'm sure Webb has one that's like out of control. Um, but to my knowledge, I don't have one on top of my head where I memorize the splits that like guys went crazy. But um, yeah, that's my best one, at least. Awesome. We could uh, Shay, I was thinking <laughs> I was thinking because I saw a tweet the other day. I forget who. Someone was making fun of workout warriors, like people who just like thrive on their, you know, on the workout thing. So I figured, would you say that Michigan was the best workout you've done? And Shay, I want to know what you think the best workout you've done as well is. Or what's your one workout where if you're like, you know, someone like you're trying to tough guy someone, you're like, <laughs> I did this. I dropped someone on the starting line. You're a freshman in high school again. And someone on the starting line is like, what's your PB, dude? What are you, what are you throwing down there? How are you scaring someone? Yeah, that's, um. That's probably one of my best workouts ever. The only thing outside that I can think of is like I've, when I was uh, with um, Reebok over in Charlottesville, Justin and I did a eight mile tempo tempo and we ran the last uh, 10K and like 29 low. Um, so I that was mine. Justin actually dropped me by like 30 seconds. So he ended up running probably like 2840. Um, so that was probably one of my best ones. This Michigan's definitely up there. Um, Oh, yeah, that's probably it, man. Honestly, I'm like kind of the opposite of a workout warrior. Like, I think I can hold my own in sessions, but at the end of the day, like, I'm not a guy that can like absolutely rip it. I honestly try to like get the most of every workout with putting like the bare minimum amount of effort in. I like to like kind of stack and stack and stack quality workouts. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like the, 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 
I don't know, the, the immature running mindset, it's like, I got to hammer these workouts, but the, the competitor mindset is like, a, you know, it matters about showing up on race day, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 what matters is just getting them in consistently. Like it's, I think it's way more impressive to see someone do like four weeks of really, really solid workouts than like three weeks of good workouts. And then one like hero workout. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause when I was training with Fox, um, like his workouts are very challenging and like probably like the least sexy workouts of all time. But, um, you kind of just learn like what a, what a great workout is because the splits are so different, but now with Ronnie, like he throws in a, a workout every once in a while. That's just like, makes you feel like, you know, like you're just crazy good. So I'll tell you in the last workout I did before here, uh, before Boston, I went to the track on Tuesday. I did four miles on the Falmouth road race course in like 1930. And I came back in the evening and did uh three by eight, three by four, a six and a three. And there was like two tens on the eight, nothing crazy. 64s for the four hundreds. And then like a one thirty, and then a 42. Um, but between those two sessions, like in the same day, it was pretty solid. So that was my last one going into this. How far out? Are you out doing a lot of uh, double day workouts? That's literally the first one I've ever done. Wow. Yeah. I know it's, it's like a big thing now, right? From what I heard. Like yeah. The Ingebrigtsen. Yeah. Yeah. I got Tin Man did that for a little bit too. And everyone got on that train for a couple of weeks. What'd there. you think about it? It was honestly, it was pretty hard. Like, dude, my first 800, I was like 210, like no, no problem. And like, I came through my first quarter and I saw like 68. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> like, I'm way off. So, um, like it was very noticeable that like legs just were tired, like right away. Um, and you know, the only reason I did that actually is because like, that was supposed to all be one workout, the four miles and then go to the track. But I, I was on the track at school hours. So I got kicked off after like my first 800. So uh, then I just like came back. That's the worst. That's happened ahead. to me way too many times. It's I, so annoying. I didn't know that that's not like a universal thing in a lot of States. So like in New Jersey, if you are on a track during like school hours, someone's coming out and calling a SWAT team and you're, you're a threat to the school. Like. But yeah. I was in California and I was like, they have gym class out right now. I can't go on. And then everyone like who I was with was like, no, no, no. Like, you're all good. I was like, you sure? And I've been in a ton of places. You can just do that during school. No one like we do in DC. We do that all the time, Shay. Yeah. It just depends on where. I mean, some schools just like if it's a threat or something, I'm I'm 140 pounds. I'm not much of a threat, but <laughs> right? I guess it could be seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Track spikes are pretty sharp, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I got it. So I was like, I tried not to, you know, I, I hate getting a workout like interrupted. So like I had to kind of cool, like calm myself down, but like, you know, you walk away from yeah. me, like, okay, I get it. Like, yeah. you know, what, what's a principal supposed to do in that situation. So it was all good. So right. uh, overall I'd like to try it more uh, in the fall. I'd be down for some like double threshold days to um, see, you know, see how they come around. But I think like, honestly, again, with like the super tech nowadays, I think you can get away with it and recover better than like, you know, maybe doing it five or 10 years ago in like, you know, traditional flats. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, have uh, you always been a super shoe guy since they came out? No, I mean, I mean, dude, it was, I was like one of those guys that was already sponsored when they all came out. Right. So, um, I was actually like in that, like, so they first came out in 2016, um, is where like some of the top athletes were at the marathon trials. And then I would say like 2019 is when it like became public that it's like, oh damn, people are doing in these like stuff in these things that other people can't do. And I was already tied to a brand at that point um, that was like working on that product. So um, yeah, I had like kind of a, a period there where I was like the one guy looking at everybody's feet and was just like, shit. <laughs> like, what is that? Yeah. Like, 
yeah, I'm wearing something that no one else, like no one else is wearing anymore. Um, and then credit to, to Reebok when I was with them, eventually they let us wear like a product while they were working on their own. Um, and then pretty quickly you're like, wow, that, this makes a lot of sense why I was getting like my doors blown off in a lot of races. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm a big advocate. I think they make a pretty significant difference. And I mean, honestly, even with this record on yesterday, like the fact that Paul McCloy ran 28, 17, like in the eighties, it's like absolutely effed up, man. Like right. I, I'm, I'm shocked. So it's like, it, to me, it's like, it's important for me to acknowledge, like it's, I have a huge advantage to breaking these records than those guys that like were just, you know, busting them out in traditional flats in the eighties and nineties. That's, that's pretty remarkable. What do you think yeah. about the argument that I feel like a lot of maybe the older generation of running makes it more consistently that these shoes should be like universally banned. Like, I think we're at a point now where people are kind of just accepting it's not going anywhere, but what do you, you know, what do you say in response to that? That, that should be, you know, the, the, the new rule of law. Yeah. I'm not, I don't feel too strongly about it. Like, I think it sucks being an, I mean, I, I don't like maybe athletes in the past don't care that much, but it's a bummer to like, see, you know, like a 1320 guy five years ago is very different than what a 1320 guy is yeah. nowadays. Right. Like, especially on the charts and like that. And sure. It's a bit of a bummer, but like, I, I don't care. Like I have more of a problem. Like it's every athlete's own prerogative, but I guess I have more of a problem where people don't think it does anything. Yeah. Like, it's like, whatever, if we keep them allowed and we break all these records, that's fine. But if someone like thinks like, Oh no, like, you know, I don't think it like provides me any advantage. And then they just run like a 25 second PR. It's like, dude, like, <laughs> come on, like, you, like, wake, I guess it's like kind of wake up, you know? So, um, I don't think they need to be banned and I am with you. Um, Tim, where I think like that ship is totally sailed. Yeah. Um, I think we're well past the point of no return and people are just like normalizing what the new level of success is. And I still think we've got a way to go. And I honestly, I predict, especially someone that's been on the roads right now, like, I think we still are waiting to see that happen in like the half marathon, the marathon in North America. Like right now, like guys oh, still yeah, running for sure. 208, 209. Like I wouldn't be shocked in the next three or four years. Like you start seeing North Americans making like 207, 208, like the new norm. Definitely. Um, yeah. And I'm hoping to be one of those guys. Yeah. When do you see yourself Have transitioning? Have you seen Colin McCow's train? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, you're good, Shay. You're good. Because we were talking about this earlier. All you. Um, uh, I, you I, I raised Colin McCow in, uh, in Houston, but I don't know his training. No, tell me about it. That guy's, oh my God, his workouts are crazy. He'll run like a marathon progression and like average like 530. Um, He just does crazy mileage. It's nuts. Is he the one who accidentally his like, his pacer on a workout took him long and he went through a marathon in like 212? Was it that that guy, Shay? Who did that? um, CJ. Yeah, yeah, CJ Alberson. Yeah, 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 that's that's absurd. What do you think about that? What do you you think, Ben, when you see these guys on Strava and it's like, Jesus Christ? Dude. I mean, I, I, I won't go too into it, but to me, it's one, one result that matters most, and it's race day. Yeah, it's I, like, I agree. And if you can ball out in workouts, it's sick, but like, I, I think it's problematic if, and, and maybe people don't think this, I personally think that if I ball out in workouts, it's fine as long as it does, doesn't come to the expense of my race. I, and I do all my training like that. I run my easy days closer to eight-minute pace than six-minute pace because I think that's what makes my workouts better. And I think great workouts makes my racing better. So I've got a pretty clear like list of priorities and it's like what you're doing in workouts doesn't impress me unless you start waxing me in races. Then all of a sudden I'm going to look at what you're doing and be like, okay, what am I missing here? Yeah. But until you're like, like lining up and banging out impressive performances, I think workouts, you know, 
I don't look, I don't get that impressed by them. Yeah. I guess what I will say, like, as I've gotten older, I have appreciated like what it does for the fan base. Like, it's cool to see like the typical runners that maybe aren't as like focused on like, I don't know, they're not as in tune to like the competitive racing scene. Like they get excited about those workouts. Like, I don't think that's a problem. I think it's cool to just see any runners excited about something, but my personal stance, like guys can do whatever they want, but I want to make sure that the best I get of myself is on race day. Yeah. I think that that opinion and that mindset is very similar to like, we've had a lot of, you know, like very high tier and very great runners on so far. And when we've asked them a similar question, like everyone's given, you know, the answer that, like, I do what makes me feel best. There is no one uniform way. There is no, like, you know, no set group of workouts is going to make me the best. Like, I listen to my body. Like you said, you run close to the eight-minute pace some days, and you do six. Whereas I think the days, we're starting to be in the, the listen to your body era more than it used to be the, the mileage era. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so, yeah, I'm curious as to why that is. But um, I, I I'm like, feel so strongly about that because I was, like, the go – 110% like run through a brick wall type of runner. And that's when I lost the most races in my career. Mm. <laughs> you know, I was like the guy that like, I thought to be great. Like I had to be able to put myself in a positions that, that others weren't capable of doing. And I couldn't be further from like that mindset now. Like to me, the best athlete is the one that feels the best with a mile to go. And yeah. that's just, it's just not about like outworking people anymore. It's about like just being fitter. And that comes from smart training. Yeah, yeah, the, the smarter, not harder. But then you can be smart and hard. I don't like that saying. Now that I said it out loud, I hate that saying. Um, I think, uh, so we got, a, we got a bunch of listener questions. Thank you for reposting that, by the way, because when people do that, that, like, opens it up to people who really want to hear answers from you. Like, you know, sometimes we just have our listeners, but, like, your followers want to know what you are doing. So, appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. That, I'm, that makes me happy people um, submitted stuff because I've had other podcasts where no one asked anything. <laughs> so, it's like... That's cool. Let's see. So, uh, okay. Emily J wants to know what made you choose Michigan over staying, uh, in a Canadian university? Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, like this is where I was. I'm not saying I'm the same way now. Like if I were to do it all again, I actually would have looked into Canada more, um, just to, to understand like the opportunities that are out there. But as a high school kid, like I loved following Cam Levins, Mo Ahmed, I was a big fan of Nate Brennan and Kevin Sullivan. And all those guys went to the NCAA. So I was like all in on going to the NCAA. And uh, my high school coach, she was actually um, like a seven-time All-American at Villanova. So I had someone who like understood the NCAA landscape, which in Canada is like kind of like hard to come by. So um, yeah, so it wasn't so much about like Canada or NCAA because I thought, I think I was just all in. And, and when I knew I wanted to go to the NCAA, I ended up, the two places I wanted to go that I never got visits were Villanova and Notre Dame. And the three visits I took that I basically debated between were Michigan, Virginia, and Wisconsin. Um, and for me, it, it honestly came down to just like the, like the culture I felt like on the team and my relationship with the coach. Um, a year later, my coach actually, you know, left Michigan and, uh, I ended up getting Kevin Sullivan, which is like a crazy coincidence considering he was like my idol um, in high school. But, um, you know, I would say like the most important thing is to find like a list of schools and understand like once you do that, like you can't go wrong. Like, of course, you want to be the most right. But at the end of the day, like Virginia, Wisconsin and uh, Michigan, like I knew no matter what, I was going to go to a great place with great opportunities. Um, and one of the funniest, like, I guess, um, 
challenges one of my mentors gave me that, that went to Harvard, my, my high school coach's husband. He told me like, all right, you go to campus and you break your leg two days in, you never run track there again. Like what place do you think you'd be the happiest completely removed from running? And for whatever reason, I felt like that way at Michigan. So, and the bonus was it was four hours from my house. So that was pretty sick being international and only being four hours away from, um, from home. Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty sure you can probably relate. That's like a great distance to be like, you're not that's too close perfect. to home yeah. where you're like, I'm going to go home all the time, but you still get to have that experience where like you're, you know, it's, you're not flying somewhere, which is like, which yeah. is nice. A hundred percent. And like what it ended up happening was it gave my family the opportunity to come see me. Exactly. You know, it's like an NCAA athlete. Like you really don't go home much. Yeah. I'm like, so I'm three and a half hours from Georgetown. I'm the oldest of seven kids. Like I want to see my little siblings. Oh, I want to okay. see my family. I have an incredibly close family. So like I could just, and I was looking at places and I was talking to schools like West coast. Like I'm sure you can relate. I'm sure, you know, places that were a long flight away were like, we're interested in, in both of you. Like I just couldn't see myself being like, all right, I got a five hour flight right now. Like fly across yeah. the country. Yeah, that would have been um, that would have been a challenge, and I like really tried to not factor that into my decision. But it's one of the things that I end up being like happiest about yeah. uh, with my choice in Michigan. That's awesome. Um, okay, we got a uh, we got a couple more. So, what led to that decision? This is from uh, Sullivan Carls. That might be the other way around. That's his Instagram username. What led to this decision to leave Reebok and Coach Fox to move to the very nice track club and run for on? So like, you know, yeah. obviously very nice track club doesn't have that, that one specific brand affiliation, but like, what was that transition like? And how were you able to, you know, join such a group like that? Yeah, that's, um, it's a great question. And like, it's, you know, it's something I probably could talk about all day. Um, I mean, I went from a, a, a very good situation to another very good situation. So, um, I think what was hard about leaving Reebok is like, things were actually like really starting to work. And I was going in a direction where like Fox, I think is one of the best marathon coaches, in North America for sure. Um, so it was like pretty challenging to, to like, to leave that. Um, but honestly, at the end of the day, like what it came down for me was um, like the level of autonomy that I wanted in my life and what I wanted, how I wanted to fit running into my life. And as I've gotten older, um, you know, my fiance's not a, a runner either. She played golf at Michigan. Um, and like going into this next contract, like I basically wanted to find a situation where I had a little bit more control over where I was and um, basically how I wanted to work running into my life. And so one thing that I made like very clear when I spoke with my agent, Dan, was like, I want an independent deal. Like, that's what I'm going for. So it's funny when I announced someone was on and everyone congratulated me for joining like OAC. Yeah, obviously um, everyone think you're running for Dathan. <laughs> Yeah, which like, like I see the results those guys put up, and I'm like, oh damn, like, <laughs> like obviously Dathan's like crushing it, and um, OIC is like wouldn't have been the amazing opportunity, but again, it, it wasn't what I was looking for. Like, I was looking for a situation where I could represent um, a company that believed in me and believed in like my decisions to what made me the best runner, and I could choose like the environment that I wanted to be in, the, the location I wanted to be in, um, which doesn't typically come with like a group deal, you know. Um, so yeah, at the end of the day, like Ronnie reached out to me a while ago, actually. And like, basically he said, like, if I ever wanted to come to Ann Arbor, um, I was open to do so like open invite. And I talked to them a bunch and it just seemed like more and more of a good fit. The more I learned about it and the guys are awesome. So Hannah and I were excited to move back to Ann Arbor and, um, spend some time there. And the training environment has been, has been amazing. And, um, yeah, one thing that I feel like Ronnie's done really well is like, I've always been a strength guy and I feel like as a strength guy, you can kind of sometimes like specialize almost too much on strength. 
where Ronnie is like a lot more focused on the speed side of things where I actually get a ton of confidence from. Uh, so to tap into that, that like training stimulus was something that I wanted to do and has actually been like working quite well. So that's, that's kind of most, mostly it, but um, yeah. So long story short, when I, when I went to negotiate with on, like on the table right away, they knew as soon as we were going to start talking that it was an independent deal. So it was never like an OAC versus very nice track club. It was like every brand we talked to, it's independent. So I basically decided I was going to join very nice. And then it was about making sure I had a, a, a contract that was going to support that decision. Okay. So it was the, it was the team before it was the brand is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. And credit to Was on, the, man. Like that's pretty great. Like I'm impressed that they, yeah. I mean, to do that. You that's know? that's like, someone that seems like you'd want to be with them. You know, that, that appreciates your interest in that sense rather than being like, no, you have to come here. You have to do what we say. Right. And I get it both ways, right? Like you invest a lot of money in a group, like you want your athletes to join the group. So yeah, I mean, I, I've been really impressed with, um, with the way on handled that situation and just my relationship with them since I've been on board. Awesome. Um, um, leaving Reebok was your decision always go back to Michigan or would you have looked somewhere else? Um, it, yeah, I, I feel like I couldn't have really seen myself going. And, and again, like the other thing that's important to note is like, you know, with like Hannah and my life and us getting married in a year, like this was kind of like a, a decision for both of us. Like, where do we want to live? Right. Um, running aside. And, and then obviously like I got to figure out the running situation. So that narrowed down a few places. Um, I think like, I think we were either going to move to Michigan or probably Massachusetts. Um, we're going to be the two places. And I don't think right now, I, I still at some point might end up in Massachusetts. Who knows? Just like, cause I like similar to you, Tim, I like being close to, to family, whether it's my own or Hannah's. Um, but like, I wasn't ready to, that would have been too big of a change. Like going to Massachusetts, independent deal, not working locally with a coach. Cause I was still probably going to work with Ronnie, assuming he was comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. That would, that would have been too much to try to make work. So we wanted to go to Ann Arbor. And at first it was like, we're, we kind of thought about like, what's Ann Arbor going to be like, not as students, right? I mean, you guys are Georgetown guys. It's weird to think of like living the same place you went to school. Um, so the more we thought about it, we're like, you know what? This could actually be pretty sick. And then once we got there, it's been, it's been awesome. So um, yeah, we never really thought like seriously about going anywhere else. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I have one question that segues into another right now. And that's, if I asked you 10 years ago, do you think 10 years from now you would be considering multiple professional deals, you know, as a runner on the table, would you have believed that? Or what have you thought otherwise? And then secondly, coming from that, when did, when were you like, okay, I'm, I'm going to run professionally. Like, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm capable of doing. Yeah. 10 years ago. Oh, a hundred percent. I would have been like, yeah, I'm getting a fat deal. Like my head was huge. Like I was like, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to, I thought I was going to be Grant Fisher. Like that's like, that's who I thought I was going to be going to college, like immediate or just at night. I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to win. I'm like, I'm going to win NCAAs right away. Then do it again then do it again. And then get like a huge deal. Get Olympics. <laughs> it's all just going to work out great. So, um, as I gotten older, like I mean, the, college was like pretty hard for me. I um, like, you know, if anyone ever went on my Tevers page, like I, I lost a lot more than I won in college. And like, I took a long time to, to get, you know, decent and then get good and then get good enough to, you know, win NCAAs. So like, there was a point in my career where I thought like, if I break 14 minutes in the 5k, like, boom, I'm done. That's as good. Like, that's as good as it gets. And I'd be happy with my career. Um, and then especially as like, I got to my senior year of college and I, I kind of just got like a bad string of injuries where I like almost got back and then got hurt again. 
And I was like, totally at the effort point, like I'm done. Like as soon as college is done, like I'm going to join a beer hockey league, get a rock climbing membership. And I'm just like stepping away. <laughs> and this was like probably three months before I went NCAAs and end up, you know, pretty much propelling my career from there. So, um, when I knew I wanted, like, I, I always wanted to go pro. Like I always want, like, I'm such a big track nerd, man. Like if we talked about the details of the sport, like I know what people are doing. I just love running. Um, so I always wanted to, to be a professional athlete, but I guess like it was a matter of just proving that I was capable of doing it, which again, through college, I had a lot of doubt. Um, but like once I got to a point where it felt like there was truly something on the table to, to chase, I was like, hell yeah, I'm like going all in on this. And um, honestly, I don't know when I'm going to stop. Like, going into the marathon opens up a little bit more longevity and if I have some success there. Like I'm going to ride this thing out really as long as I can. Um, so yeah. I think that sounds very similar to a lot of conversations Shay and I have had where I think, I think we're riding this thing out until the wheels come off right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> um, it's crazy, man. Yeah. You gotta be able to look in the mirror. If you're this competitive, you gotta be able to look in the mirror in 30 years and be like, yeah, all right, I'm okay. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. the crazy thing, like I've got, a, you guys are probably going to tell just in the short conversation, like I'm, my head's a little bit all over the place. So it was an adjustment, like being exclusively a pro runner. So the, the challenge for me over the last few years is like, okay, what else can I add to my life? That's going to, you know, benefit me down the road. It's going to like, you know, stimulate my brain and keep me engaged. Um, and isn't going to compromise my running. So like over the last two years, I've picked up some like part-time jobs. I'm in school now. So I'm trying to like do other things as well that complement my running. Um, and hopefully that just like continues to a point where I can make a pretty smooth transition on the sport when I'm ready to do so. What are you studying right now? I'm, um, I'm taking business courses. So my goal is to get an MBA. Um, but I don't have the prerequisites to qualify for the accelerated MBA that I'm trying to be a part of like through athletics Canada, they've got some really cool like educational opportunities. So I'm taking some intro business courses with a bunch of sophomores in Canada. <laughs> and then uh, I'm going to apply to an accelerated MBA, um, hopefully in the next like year. Oh. Have you ever gotten like, are, are the classes in person? No, they're oh, not. I guess they're uh, Zoom, yeah. yeah, they're at Have you gotten like University. recognized? <laughs> no, not, no, not yet. Um, yeah, hopefully at some point, that'd be cool. But um, no, so far they just know me as the person that's like the worst to schedule uh yeah sorry guys i got i gotta practice oh yeah. <laughs> i gotta race this weekend that's the worst in class that happened to me way too many times last semester we'd have like a big thing do it i'm like okay so i can't like do anything from thursday to monday just so you guys yeah. know <laughs> like I, mean, I was the worst i felt so bad but in the yeah. beginning my weeks were horrendous trying to just bulk work up um Speaking of, you know, interest outside of running right now, talk to us about uh, Streamline Athletics and what you got going on there. That's interesting pickup. I'm glad, I'm t- I'm curious where you've uh, where you've heard about that from. Like, I like you, you said yourself, I'm a track nerd as well and I think Shay can also attest that he's a track nerd as well. Okay. That's that's cool, man. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. So, I mean, Contact Streamline Athletes, it's a, a Canadian-based track and field recruiting company. So, dude, it's pretty funny how I got uh, into it. I was actually on the Cape after a season where I was done, whatever, I was taking my two week break and I literally had nothing to do during this day. Cause I wasn't running. I was a full-time pro. Hannah, my fiance goes to work. Her parents go to work. I'm like, 
I never felt like such a useless like piece of shit in my <laughs> life. I was like, I literally have nothing to do today. So it was at a point where I was like really starting to like, it's probably a year and a half out from my contract being up. And you know, you never know if you're going to get another one. So I was already like kind of in a place where I was like looking to do something. So I made a Google search and it was online track and field jobs in Canada because that was like the only thing I felt qualified for. And mm-hmm. one thing popped up and it was streamlined athlete. <laughs> um, so I sent them on my resume, got connected with them. They're big track nerds. They knew who I was. They gave me a shot. And dude, it was sick. So I worked in sales for them, um, and which was, which was sweet. But for me, it was cool because like I had no sales experience, but I was an expert in the industry. I knew running really well. The people I talked to, I could relate to them. You know, talk to them all day about Big East champs, ACCs, Big Tens, NCAs. And every day was like learning about like, okay, what does it mean to be, you know, to do business? Um, on the flip side, like what's really cool about the company itself is it's free for athletes to learn about like collegiate opportunities to um, run track and field in Canada and the US. Um, so yeah, they're really trying to change the game. And um, it's something that's been really cool to, to be a part of. I have recently just left um, on very good terms, but uh, my problem, man, is I was like, I was getting too deep. Like I was like getting, like, I was loving it and I was getting so involved that I got to a place where it's like, all right, like right now for my running, especially this summer and like with Olympics coming up the next couple of years again, I was like, all right, I think right now it's time for me to just like take a step back. And they told me they respected it. They always knew like I was a runner first, told me I can come back at any time. Um, but dude, that was sick. It was like really, it was really um, encouraging. And I suggest like all athletes, pros to do this, to like feel competent in something that wasn't running. So like, it gave me a lot of security that like, even if my contract didn't, if I didn't get another contract, I was going to be all right. Which I think is something a lot of pros struggle with and are like kind of scrambling with their last few months of their contracts, you know? I feel like a a lot of runners could probably relate to that. I think part of that is even maybe why Shay and I are doing this. And then like, even otherwise, it's like I had all these people in my life, like doing so much, they're so successful, working so hard. And this was probably about a year ago. I'm like, I'm still like holding on to the the high school. Like, I'm just going to run and nothing else kind of thing, which is great. But then I was driving myself crazy. Like, yeah. I, I just like, I need to do something. But then there's, like you said, you know, there's the habit of like, you do something. And I know Shay is like this as well, where like, you can't, we can't do something without like going all in on doing it. And sometimes it's the dumbest thing ever. But <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's like my yeah. summer basketball league of the last three years. You would have thought I like, I had like five rings in the NBA, the way I treated that thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's crazy. Um, yeah. And that's what makes you a great athlete, right? Like it's like, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, just, I think it just makes people like, you know, if you're competitive in one thing, you're going to be competitive in everything. Like it's yeah. just, I think it's just the way a lot of people are wired, but also why, you know, it seems like you might have a lot of that in you and you know, it's why you're so successful. I mean, Canadian record holder, NCAA champ, all, you know, all that good stuff. Um, Appreciate it. Yeah. But you know, obviously this has probably been one of the biggest, so far the biggest week in, you know, American track and field. And I assume given that you are a self-expressed track nerd, that you are uh, up to date on all the happenings of this past week. So we figured with your, you know, your Canadian background, you'd be the perfect objective opinion to, you know, kind of help us recap uh, USA's a little bit if, if you're down. Um, so we had, I mean, I think, and Shay and I were talking about this earlier, this was probably the one of the best women's years we've seen in a long time at that meet which is how competitive every event was i don't know what your favorite race on the woman's side might have been yeah i mean i love the 1500 like you know 
when we talk about being a road guy or a distance guy, it's like, if it was up to me, I'd be a miler. Like I just love watching the event. Um, the women's 15 was, was sick to watch. And, um, you know, Sinclair has been on such a tear recently that it was cool to see her just completely ball out. Um, and, you know, I, I was teammates with Josette Norris at, uh, Reebok. So I was excited to see, you know, Georgetown girl, um, how she was going to, you know, fare at the championships. And then, um, you know, Corey McGee, Al Perrier, like it was, it's such a deep field. So, um, I loved watching the women's 15, the women's eight with, uh, Mo is obviously like sick as well. And then, uh, you know, it's hard not to follow Shakari, man. Like, <laughs> you know, love her, hate her. It's like, she's like, gotta be one of the most entertaining like no matter what you want to know how she's going to do like and um so following the 100 and 200 as an athlete that like honestly doesn't have a lot of experience following the women's 100 or 200 like i've naturally been gravitating towards that event to follow like like what's shakari gonna wear <laughs> and how she's gonna do and what she's wearing because <laughs> like you know you never know what you're gonna get with her she's so entertaining she's a wild card too shay and i were even discussing this on how how can we speak about Shakari without her threatening to sue us for one? But uh, <laughs> for two, yeah. we, I want to get her on this so bad because her. You see, she walked up to the press after her race, or not after her race. She went to the mix zone. Uh, what was it? I think yesterday she did it, and she was just like, you know, a lot of you speak without an athlete perspective. I want to get her on. I want to, you know, we have an athlete perspective here. She could say like whatever she wants to talk about. We could talk about. I think that would be one of the most entertaining guests to get on. Her and Fred Curley. 100%. I'm oh, Fred Curley. Dying to get Fred, Fred Curley. Curley it's crazy, man. So good. The last thing I have to say before I, I wrap up my women's side is like, I have to obviously mention uh, Sydney McLaughlin. Oh, my God. She's a Jersey girl. She's we're from the same uh, Catholic school or private school conference in New Jersey, non public A. So every year. Yeah, me a champs, Jersey, baby. Um, I was teammates with Sydney's brother at, at Michigan. At, with um, Taylor? Yeah. He's got yeah, one of the so, best, like, track meme videos of all time, laying that girl out at the finish line. Oh, at International. Yeah. yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> That's Dude, funny. Oh, my God, that poor girl. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you got a lot. There's a lot of Jersey girls because I remember they were talking about, like, a potential four by eight with, like, yeah, uh, just Jersey with with Mo, Josette, Sydney. And Ajay. Ajay's from 10 oh, minutes Ajay. from me. So she did this. She was great. She came um, at, you know, these schools my, my parents, uh, you know, work at. They have – um, we had a bunch of speakers come in. She came and spoke to the kids. She was she was so polite. She's one of the best um, you know people in the running world that I've met. But she had a great race. She was one of my favorite races to watch because no one's really pushed a thing Mo like that ever. I mean, since we've yeah. seen you know, since dude, in one fifty seven blanket finish. Like, yeah, crazy. She's dumb. Eighth women's place. Eight eighth dumb. place was one fifty nine in the women's eight. The women's eight is crazy this year. Yeah, so. there was like a probably a year ago when we were talking about the super tech where I thought like, hey, maybe these like you know. We're not seeing that same, like, I guess, um, like, launch in times in the 800s as we're seeing the 15, especially in the 5K. This year in the 800, especially on the women's side, has been ridiculous. Like, girls just going sub two, like, left, right, and center. It's been nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's been crazy. Um, Shay, what was your favorite women's performance of the weekend? Um, yeah, probably the 15. Uh, it's, I mean, the mile's always the most exciting race, I feel like. So, Yeah. By you, Tim, was your favorite race? Ajay was great to watch. Um, Sydney, 
Like, I was going nuts watching City with my whole family because my parents loved watching me race when I was growing up. Like, I think they were equally as excited to see Sydney race every weekend that, as they were to see me race every weekend. Um, I think her, her biggest fans are probably my whole extended family. Um, I thought the woman's 200 was sick. Uh, Abby Steiner, like, we're seeing people kick at the end of sprint races now. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of nuts. But I thought that race yeah, was great. Nuts. Yeah. She's so good. She, the other thing that was kind of that was pretty impressive too is Emma Coburn's win. Yeah, oh um, yeah, that goes without saying. To, crazy. Yeah, I, I mean it's tenth time. It's like routine. Yeah. But like there was actually like I was talking with Hannah's dad. Um, is like a big track nerd too, so we talk about this stuff all the time. And like Coburn, like honestly, I didn't know if she had it like in the prelims and just like how the season's gone. So for her to like pull it out in a year that like honestly didn't look as smooth as as one she's had in the past was was pretty impressive. Yeah, I think, you know, people have, like, like you said, it just happened so many times. So I think we're kind of numb to it now. And we, we, like, expect it. And I saw the same uh, take about Sydney on Twitter after the weekend. It's like, you expect it now, but that doesn't take away from how impressive and how great it is. Mm-hmm. Like, just because we see it, just because we're used to it, doesn't mean they're still, I mean, was it, that's 10 titles for Emma? I mean, that's nuts. She's undefeated in U.S. steeple titles. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And then the last one to, re- to like, notice who was like completely out of control is Carissa Schweitzer. Yeah, like yeah. 10k champs come in and just like duking out 15 five like yeah. that was yeah. um that was pretty nuts that's crazy range that's just gritty <laughs> that's big yeah. grit to go in there and, and do that um what about on the on the men's side what are your guys favorite races um I mean the 15 was wild um, I actually missed it. Like I, I wasn't up to speed on like the change in the schedule from the heat. Mm-hmm. So I just watched the video of it today. And, uh, John Dave, like I ran against John Davis in college being a big 10 guy. Um, so that was pretty nuts seeing him come second. Cooper winning was also pretty like crazy impressive. Cole not making, or, um, yeah, Cole not making out of heats was nuts. So, and dude, I was, I also like, I know like, Eric Holt has like been gathering this like fan base over the past couple of years. And truth be told, I hadn't like, like, I always liked him, and I thought he was a good guy. I met him times, but I never really watched any of his interviews. I watched his interview after his race in the heats, and I was like, okay, I get, like, why everyone likes this guy. Like, he was pretty fun to follow. Yeah, yeah. He seems like a, he's a good beast. guy. He's got good energy. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. he's been tearing yeah. it up recently. He's a – because Empire Elite's not that far from me. Um, and I know a bunch of guys That's on right. that team. They got something uh, They got something brewing over there. They're getting pretty good now. They just had a bunch of guys yeah. actually run an indoor eight the other day. Um, one of my friends ran there, and then he actually ran a, a great race for him. But uh, they had a guy run 146, too, at BU. Like, uh, it's crazy. I don't know who's racing. How hot do you think BU is right now in the end of June? It's probably inc- oh. incredibly hot inside of that track yeah. right now. It's brutal. Yeah. Oh, my God. Is there no AC in there? Or I, I don't know. I have no idea. AC. There's no way. Yeah. It's, not. it's crazy. It's yeah. like a tin building. That place um, is wild. What do you did you see what Fallbulls? Did you guys see what Fallbulls take was on uh Cooper not making it? <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. What are your thoughts on that? Not Cooper, I'm sorry, Cole, but then then Cooper's response by winning that one the next day. Yeah, I mean, like I've got a couple of takes on on the race. Like the first one is that Cole's like what, twenty years old, twenty one. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I he's, with, he's our great. I came with Hobbs Kessler, right? He's nineteen. And it's like anytime Hobbs does anything, there's gonna be a let's run message thread about like how we should have done better right so it's like for me like seeing a guy like cole like he's so good he's already got a sixth place at the olympics it's easy to think that like he's 
been in the sport for a, a decade, but like this is his first year as a pro. Like uh, to me, I think this is a big learning experience. Um, I will say I was pretty shocked about the strategy. Like just given like you got a guy historically who wins every race in the last 200 going to the front of the heats. Like that to me was like very surprising. And then obviously if someone does something surprising, it doesn't work out. It's heavily scrutinized. So, I mean, I get like Fobble, I, I feel like I get what Fobble was trying to say by saying like, wow, like, you know, that, that, that decision cost him the final, but like, I also think that's fine. Like, I don't think like going about it and saying like, I don't think his season was wrong the way he went about it. Like, I don't think that was the problem. Honestly, who I want to hear from is Ben Thomas. Like, I would love to hear like, if that was just like what the strategy was, if Cole found himself in the front and just went for it. Like, I want to, like, it seemed like that was a very intentional decision that clearly didn't work out. I just want to know like what the thought process was behind it. Um, because if he runs away and runs 335 for the win, no one says anything, right? Yeah. I mean, very well like you said, anything would have been scrutinized there. Like if you sat right. and got beat sitting in the back and ready to move, everyone would have been like, you, you know, you were six in the world. Like you're one of the best guys in the world right now. You should have just gone from the front and taken it. Like everyone, yeah. it would have been the opposite way. Right. So it's like, I mean, the guy's been six in the Olympics. Like I get like, you want, he, he want, we want, everyone wants him to be the next like, medalist in the 1500 but it's like he can afford to make a mistake he's young um and you know if this is something that he takes away and makes him a better runner great i mean i think he walks away from this being like wow leading a 1500 meter heat and trying to run 335 from the front is really freaking hard um which i have a terrible experience trying to run that way which is why i never do it um but the reason i learned that is because i tried it a bunch and got my doors blown off um again the difference between cole hawker and i is i can do that and no one says anything but Cole does that and gets beat, you know, everyone's up in arms. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a, a problem with people, you know, exchanging thoughts on Twitter. Do I think that Bobble um, gained a lot of fans from that comment going after one of the most, uh, <laughs> like one of the most popular track and field athletes in the country now? Probably not. Um, but it's, you know, the dialogue I'm fine with. I mean, at the same time, I don't think he's wrong. I don't know about you guys. Like I, like I, I am. We can go back to the four by mile because we never talked about the the Penry Lace oh, four by mile when <laughs> when that was going on. Though I was on the if there were sides, I was on the on side on that one because I I don't know. I'm in the camp of like we should just everyone should just race each other. Like I just let's just go at each other. That's the only way to to make this entertaining. You know, I I get the, the occasional time trial, but that that aside, I don't think Fallball was wrong on that one. Dude, and I'm yeah. with you. I yeah. I actually, like, what I will say, here's my take on, like, that whole, like, general subject. The, 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 the re pen relay or the, the relay thing was funny. And, like, honestly, I think with On, and I talked to those guys at pen relays about it. Like, I think what ticked everyone or got everyone all, like, emotional about it was literally that last line of the tweet. That it's, like, we reached out to all other yeah, brands and yeah. their takers. Yeah. Like, that is what put everyone over the edge. Because it's, like, what the hell? Like, we've been planning this for the past year. But... Anyways, um, my big takeaway, like in general about the whole like time trialing versus racing, because I'm with you, I want everyone to race. I think it's way more entertaining. I think it's better for the audience, for the athletes, but I do think like there is a responsibility or accountability to the qualification system. Like, I think the qualification system is designed in a way to almost reward athletes that time trial. And to me, that's like where there's a, a, a higher route for a pro like. I think that's where the root of the problem is, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. 
Um, in the U.S., you have to be able to do both because there's too many guys at the standard that you can't get away with time trialing. But dude, anywhere else in the world, Canada, for example, places in Europe where it's like your trials isn't um, as deep. If you're a time trialer, man, you're making teams. Like that's yeah. the way to do it. It's and like, uh, to like me, Stewie that's McSwain. what's problematic. Guys who just go for it are getting rewarded for doing that in other places where the U.S. is exactly. a, a different dynamic. And I'm, I'm heavily biased because I suck at that. Like I'm terrible at running time trials and I don't make a lot of teams because of it. I can go to trials and win, but without a standard, it doesn't mean anything, right? Yeah, yeah. So like I found myself in these tough positions of being like, damn, like if you miss that time trial or, or like the best case scenario is these sound running events where it's like a race to time trial. Those are sick because it's like people are running fast and they're racing. But a lot of times it's like when you get a month left to go, you almost don't have a choice, but to time trial to try to hit standard. So yeah, I mean, and Cooper Tier is like, I guess the epitome of that this year. It's like he went and hit the standard in his home track in Eugene in a time trial, shows up, makes the, um, you know, wins the trials and uh, is going to Eugene. But I, I wish like, I think the world athletics rankings were like a way to try to solve that problem. But if you look at the rankings, like that's what I tried to make it in on in the 5k this year. Like there's no rankings anymore. Too many people hit the standard that mm -hmm. the rankings are now relevant. So that's where I think the problem, like where you kind of notice that problem is that people are rewarded for time trialing is basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Which I don't think does anything good for the fans. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the fans, I think just want to see people race, which leads me to ask, this is probably the most pressing issue right now of the trials is did you watch the post 200 interviews right the when they were on the track? So right after the men's 200, when Lyles, Arian Knighton and Fred Curley were brought to the mic right away. No, I didn't. Okay. Shay, do you it. see that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So did you see Lyles pointed at Knighton, give him a little finger gun when he passed, when they crossed the line. So yeah. then they got brought there right away and Lyles just started like he didn't rip Arian, but he was kind of trash talking him. Like he he was kind of going at him, and then Arian got like asked his thoughts on the race, and he was like, "Job's not finished," kind of thing, and walked off the track. But Lyles like pressed him there, and I I everyone's tweeting about like you know this rivalry is good, like we want rivalries in the sport, and I completely agree. I will, I'll be the first to tell you that I think that like I think we need to build these relationships in order to make people care, but. I didn't like that. He pressed him. He waited for the camera and the mics to come to press him. If you're going to do it, you're going to build like, and you want to build this rivalry. You got something you want to say, say it to the kid. And it's also the fact that it's a high schooler too, that he's going at. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the biggest thing. It's like this kid's 18 years old yeah. he probably looks up to you and you're just trashing him on like live TV. In yeah. Front of everyone. So him walking off, I thought the way he handled that was great, but I didn't respect Lyle's just waited for the cameras and the, and the microphone. Like that's when you did it. That it which was a little weird to me. And then he backtracked and when he tweeted about it today, like then if you're going to do it, stick with it now and yeah. not, don't wait for everyone to get mad at you. But I don't know. Yeah. That's a bit weird. Um, and yeah, I think it is like, yeah. I mean, there's a time and place, right. For the rivalries and like, there's a place that can be exciting, but like, the way that I haven't seen it. So like my opinion is meaningless right now until I actually watch it. But based on what you're saying, like that sounds like a pretty like awkward situation. It was so awkward. Fred Curley was sitting there laughing. I was, I yeah, was so he wanted funny. no part of it. <laughs> yeah. He was just like, who are these guys? It yeah. was really funny. But, um, on the 800 spectrum there, that was a pretty good race to watch. Like I, I was pretty impressed by that. And that it was nice to see it be a fast race. It was, you know, 144 race, I thought that was pretty good. I don't know if there were a ton of surprises there other than Coetch making it. Um, but I'm happy for Brendan Miller. I think that's really cool. 
Um, yeah, that was sick. That he got through. And Bryce Hopple, I think that was, you know, obviously a lock there. Um, but, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that meant, I mean, Hopple just knows how to deliver. So, yeah, it was, I, I loved watching uh, the 800 heats were entertaining too. And um, seeing Cade go through the first two rounds was pretty sick as well. Seeing him mix it up with the, with the pros. And then, um, you know, obviously would love to see Donovan go through all the rounds. But, like, I get it. Um, you know, as a world champion, you get, you know, yeah. nice perks yeah yeah right it's like uh, everyone wants to see him race but then if you're in that situation like he probably most people would do something similar use whatever the the rules and you know the set rules are to their advantage i feel like you right. know that's the name of the game there but and if you have to be a world champion to earn that you earned it bump, then, yeah 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 i, can, I can live with that do whatever you want bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so uh but yeah that race was sick as well i love watching eights and um i mean hopple is just like he's clutch man i can't wait to see him on the world stage like um yeah i think there's a year where like he could really um you know i mean the 800 is crazy like it's internationally it's it's such a cool event overall so um yeah i can't wait to see him price just mix up with everyone yeah i think it's open and, internationally and, you know, do you see um on a bit of a, a a shout out to canada but do you see marco arob run he ran 144 in the canadian trials yeah it's big time it's, he's, he's friends with one of our uh our teammates uh yeah. also wait, canadian. do you know reich put all I don't. Is he Canadian? Yeah, Georgetown yeah. Canadian guy. Um, is he Quebec or where's he from? <sighs> I should know this. Yeah, I should know. Toronto, this. maybe. Yeah, I think yeah. He's, he's like outskirts of Toronto. And this is where I realize how old I'm getting, man. If I can't recognize Canadians anymore, I'm like, <laughs> that's where. I'm, but I'm um, old. yeah, that was really impressive. Him running 144. I mean, that's that's big time there. That's that's legit stuff. Um, yeah, it's just not uh, that just doesn't happen very much yeah. in our trials. So yeah, cool to see. And Rod Benjamin let it out as usual. You know, that was, again, another one of the things which is kind of the expectation. He ran away with that race pretty easily. Um, but on the sprint side, I think uh, the 200 thing was just very entertaining at the same time, as much as my opinion is invaluable on that one, or is not invaluable, is not valuable there. Um, but I don't know. Was there any any big takeaway you had? Anything else you want to add on the weekend there? Um, I mean, Bowerman, as always, knows how yeah. to deliver. Uh, Grant Fisher looked phenomenal. Um yeah, I mean, I'm really excited, man. Like, it seems like, especially with, like, the way OAC, like, I think OAC's done a really good job just, like, covering, like, the athletes and seeing, like, like, I'm really excited to see the matchups from the U.S. champs to the global stage, right? Like, seeing now Ollie, Ollie versus Cooper versus Jakob. Um, like, the, the global storylines, I think, are going to be um, really cool to watch. Um, yeah, I mean, dude, as a Canadian, like, the U.S. champs, Olympic trials are, you know, two of the best meets to, to watch. So positive is like the, the meet was exceptional. I love to see it. Uh, the negative was in something that's been talked about quite a bit today already is it would have been great to see more fans there. So I'm not sure exactly what the issue was. There's a million things that I could maybe think of that um, could contribute to that. I, I, hope who, I hope the event organizers know what the problem is and can solve it because I love seeing – I hate seeing at the – empty seats at the track meet that shouldn't have empty seats, you know? That I was going to ask you guys, like, what did you guys think the worst part of the weekend was in terms of USA's? That was going to be my answer. It was like, that was just an abysmal showing of people. And yeah, I think, especially I think with the new Hayward field. Yeah. It's like you really paid for all that and you're not even filling that thing up over halfway. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just not fun to see. Like, there's people that want to go too, right? So it's like, I don't know. I don't know the cost of tickets. I know getting out to Eugene, like, isn't easy, the easiest process. Yeah. Um, but like, 
at the end of the day, I hope that it, that goes recognized and they can find a solution to like getting people in those seats because yeah. that's a stadium that should be full. I know yeah. a lot of people actually got to yeah, got to shout out Ben Crawford. Yeah. He actually said if they went to all the local high schools, he gave kids like tickets for free. I thought that was a good idea. Yeah, uh, just fill seats. Kids would go. Like if you didn't sell them anyway, morning of, like put a tweet out, come here. Out. Yeah. yeah. Give them the pros to give out to kids. Like, I don't know. I think that's a, a decent, you know, response to that problem. And I know a lot of people are just chalking it up to travel issues. And I know that was a factor. Like, even saw people doing like financial right. breakdowns. If it's like seventeen hundred bucks to make that trip. Um, yeah, which is what a I, lot what I would for be a curious fan. about would be like how much was the Eugene representation lacking? Yeah. I mean, because like people yeah. talk about like Hayward's filled because it's you know it's in Eugene, right? Like there's people in. Eugene and in Oregon that want to be there. And um, yeah, it's one thing if people aren't traveling across the country to go there, I get that. But it's like, I'd be curious, like in previous years, what, what those numbers are like, okay, what, how much, like how many Eugene residents or Oregon residents typically go to that meet and, and was it the same or worse this year? Because like, those are the people you got to nail down, you know? Yeah. Like, I, in I, town. I assume it had to be worse. Cause I even, I saw something that said, um, it was a breakdown of all the all the fan attendance numbers um, in all the you know all the U.S. trials that were there, and this was the or not U.S. trials but U.S. championships, and this was the lowest attendance at a U.S. championship that was also a World Championships qualifier. So, in something that should be the biggest stage when we don't have an Olympic trials year, I feel like you know that's that's when that really matters, and that was obviously lacking this year. Yeah, I mean, my hope is that like the problem is everyone's saving their money for Worlds. Yeah. Um, but like. Uh, yeah, I, I hope that's the case. But yeah, like, that, that remains the, to be seen. We'll see what worlds looks like. I hope it's good. I know. Yeah. Like that'll be the I have a feeling like, it's really gonna hope. be more packed, but hopefully hope it's so. full. That'd be sweet. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um well, I think uh, you know, closing off our USA's recap there, uh or our little guest question um to end the episode as we usually do, uh something a little bit more or a little less serious. Um, but I thought we thought this would be a good one to get into is who is your Mount Rushmore of Canadian running? Oh, that's a good one. Um, this was Shay's Shay's idea. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, this is going to be an embarrassing question because I'm Canadian. We got four people on Mount Rushmore. Yes. Yeah. I assume, okay. I figured right when I said that, I was like, wait, I'm saying Mount Rushmore to someone who isn't American. So I was <laughs> banking I on that. I know Mount one. Rushmore. I've never seen it, but I, I, you know, I, I hope you don't ask me who's on there because that's when I'll really show how I don't even know who's on there, dude. You're fine. <laughs> okay. Our first, wait, wait. Before you George answer, Washington. before you answer, I want, yeah, you guys, uh, let's see if we can get who's on Mount Rushmore right now between you two. Hopefully, Shay and I can do it between the two of us. Yeah. Here we go. All right. Let's hear it. Okay. George um, Washington. Yeah. Okay. Um, Abraham Lincoln. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Shay, give me one. Come on, buddy. Uh, but you go to school in DC I too. No, dude. <laughs> Roosevelt. I have no clue. Which one? One of them. Come Teddy. On. No. Yeah. Just give me it. Teddy Roosevelt. Yes. Okay. Okay. Last one. Are they all presidents? Yes. Okay, so no Ben Franklin. I know that. <laughs> um, Thomas Jefferson. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there, you there you go. That was that's all UVA knowledge right there. I failed there my go. country. Shay, right that was you just that <laughs> was sorry, so USA. bad. Shay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Hit so the anyway. Books after this. Hit the books. <laughs> who is your Mount Rushmore of Canadian running? And then Shay, okay, who's so, yours of American running after? Okay. 
Um, I got to put up Kevin Sullivan, 100%. Um, I mean, dude, so if I'm thinking of Mount Rushmore, I'm like thinking of going to the, the history books because like my current people I put up there, like in this day and age of running will probably be different. Yeah. What comes to mind for like the people I followed the most growing up, I got Kevin Sullivan. Name that I you may or may not recognize, but this guy was like just so good, is Gary Reed. Um, former Canadian record holder in the 800. Before, yeah, uh, I've heard of him. That might just be show. my my 800 nerd bit there. Yeah. Just Googling Gary old eights and watch on YouTube. But yeah, I like that. Pick. Yeah, he's he's fun guy to follow. And um, yeah, he's uh, he was he was really good. And he was running uh, maybe 143 high, like for you know, as run as as much as it was. Um, then we got like I like Nathan Brennan on there too. Um, not in the record books, but just like a Michigan guy. He's from my hometown, uh, right around my hometown. And then I think the last one. Should I guess someone that would be on here? So I'm curious if you, uh, if this is the last guy right um, now. Hint, frozen milk. <laughs> frozen milk? <laughs> You're going to have to explain that reference after we yeah. get his yeah, name Cam out. Right Cam Levins. Oh, Cam! Have you Disney seen Have you seen the Have you seen the Flow Wednesday video, or whatever, where they followed him in Utah? And he... Okay, I, sorry, yeah. I, I cut you off. Yeah, so he had like frozen milk in his fridge, and he took it out, and he's like, "Yeah, this is frozen," and then he puts it back in the fridge, <laughs> and it was weird. But I thought yeah. you would know that video. <laughs> I I have watched the video. I've seen the one where he runs like, I don't know. Yeah, where like he runs everywhere. He runs to the yeah, chiropractor. Yeah. Yeah. He's running yeah, like three times today. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. I'm going to put the last guy on there is Jeff Schiebler. He's a, he's a name that isn't super recognized, but he had the 5K record before uh, Mo broke it. He's got okay. uh, a lot of uh, – oh, Simon Bayrou is another good one to think about as well. But Jeff Schiebler slash Simon Bayrou, a lot of records on the roads in the 10K as well. Um, I don't want to put one side note in here because I have a crazy Cam Levin story during my time as a national team with them. The year I went to NACAX in Jamaica – um, this was like the Cam Levin show day, like era. Like this is when he's like be- one of the best guys in North America, mm-hmm. one of the NCAAs. Anyways, he comes second to Craig Forey's Michigan guy, New Jersey guy. Jersey, actually. I wrote Craig's meet. I wrote Craig's meet record there yes. in uh, in our county mile. <laughs> Love That's that. Really he was a stud in high school. Yeah, he, he was, was like, a stud. Uh, he was like him and Centro. Yeah, out. yeah. Craig is a stud. That's funny. That's a name I did not so, think was going to come out with you right there. That's there you funny. Forey's out kicks some. Cam is so worked up the next day. This guy goes for a 20 mile run to start the day with like half the senior team oh my God. in the afternoon goes 13 and then finishes the day with a seven mile triple gets 40 miles in for the day. That's crazy. That's not it. What? Yeah. That's crazy. Oh my God. It was nuts. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I came home so jacked up from it. that I ran my first 70 mile week and then got hurt for the rest of the season. <laughs> oh God. Cam Levin's hurt Ben Flanagan. That's what I got out yeah. of that one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was freaking nuts. Yeah, all right. So then we went to the World Champs, and uh, we came out of this Nike deal, and it, it was snowing in Poland. It was colder than we thought. And this was like the most baller move ever as a high schooler. We didn't have like arm sleeves and stuff like that. And Cam just called his Nike rep, rep at the time and just got like decked out the entire team in like winter hats, gloves. That's it was sick. like a That's cool. high school like dream, bro. We just like all got these like gear packages because. Cam just made like one phone call to his Nike rep. I thought it was like, that's cool. Shit, that's sick. That sounds like <laughs> Shay and I probably prancing into the locker room at NXN when they, they made you seem like you were so cool when they're announcing yeah. your accomplishments, getting your, your bag. I remember that was like peak running ever. 
Yeah, and wear that changed. every high school meet. Yeah, you wear your NXN bag. You're like, I'm the man. Yeah, did you make in. NXN, bro? I don't know. <laughs> like, I did, so. Yeah, let me just uh, check my back real quick. Yeah, and I'm, let me get my neon spikes and socks and purple arm sleeves out. So I'm going to wear in this <laughs> race because it looks weird. Really wear it at good. every dual meet. <laughs> Yeah, they do it right, man. That's that gets the kids going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was you thought we thought we the, the worst is the, the New Balance Nationals bag. Those are bad. Dude. Yeah, just seeing like even people in college, like just students, I'll see someone wearing an emerging elite bag. Yeah, like, at school. Shit. Yeah, I see a couple of Arcadia <laughs> bags at school every once in a while. I'm like, bro, I found out some kid beat us in the DMR at Penn Relays when I was a sophomore in high school just by being like, yo, <laughs> oh, yo, like is that an Arcadia bag? Is the same one of the same year I went? So I was like, oh, that's so cool. Um, it's funny. That's funny. Do you have a Mount Rushmore, real quick, before we let you go, of, of American distance running, both of you? I got one off the top. I got, um, a, th- I got a thing. Wait, no sprinters or what? What, American? Uh, distance just, running. We can go distance running. I mean, because that's our specialty, but. Yeah, I'll go pre-Dave Waddle, oh, uh, nice. Galen Rubb, and then Centro. Okay, I like that. That's quite the lineup. That was a good one. I go, I think I got one. Pre, Frank Shorter. Maybe we all agree on pre. I think I think pre's got to be a lock. I don't know about you, Ben, but I, that's just like our. I'll put pre in there. Yeah, that's my pre posters right above me. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I go pre, Frank Shorter, Centro, and Johnny Gray. Oh. Yeah. I think nice. <laughs> what do you I got? The only people, I, would, I got pre on there, too. I'm going to go. Frank Shorter, Billy Rogers, yeah, and yeah. Mr. Jim Ryan. I like that. Old school. How yeah. could yeah? I didn't even think of Jim Ryan. It, it was tough for me to leave Bob Kennedy off of that list, but I think that was my four right there. I'm trying to get some diversity in, in race distances too. There, we got a marathoner, ten k guy, got a mile and an eight guy. Um, well, I think that kind of that puts a nice little bow on it. So thanks so much for for joining us. Unless Shay or you got anything else? That's it. Sweet. So awesome. we're back. We're going to be back doing regular uh, regular pods right now. Ben, thank you again. Uh, best of luck the rest of the season. And, you know, congratulations one more time on, on yesterday because that's that's really cool to see. That's awesome. Appreciate that, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, go Hoyas. Sweet. Hoyas. <laughs> <laughs>